Hey guys, I need to figure out how to greet you guys because I recognize I always just want to say, yo guys, what's up? But that's who I am. Anyhow, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of the Witness This Podcast. You're listening to episode 11. I'm your host, Marlon Johnson, and I have a big old smile on my face because today's guest is none other than Tyler Putaba. So Tyler is the homie from Portland, got to meet him out at Woodward this summer. I'd been really interested about him due to his movement. If you've watched any of his clips, you see that he is an amazing athlete. And I was able to invite him out to camp this summer, get to know him. And he came along with the Shea and spent some time with me in New York. And during our time back in New York, that's where I really got to sit down and no Tyler, and I gotta say, I like him, I like him a lot, it's really cool. In this interview today, we spoke about him being coached by Joey Adrian, which explains a lot of his movement, him preparing for NAPC, he actually went to NAPC on injury this year, we talk about parkour competitions, and interestingly enough, we also speak about what it means to juggle being an athlete with a businessman. A lot of people don't know that Tyler is actually a successful entrepreneur who is looking to grow that side of himself even bigger than his athletic career. So stay tuned for this episode. Before we get started, it is time for you to pay. I need you to screenshot you should already know by now you should know the routine but maybe this is your first time here so if this is your first time here you know welcome guys the cost of admission is you need to screenshot your phone screenshot wherever you're listening to this and go ahead and share that link share that picture share that image on social media let it be facebook tiktok instagram linkedin whatever weird thing you're looking at cat videos on share it there as well because if you are enjoying this and getting any value from any of the episodes previously, then odds are your friends will also enjoy and get value from this as well. If you want to wait until the end of the episode to share because you want to make sure it's something good, I can respect that. I get it. I get it. You know, you want to taste the food before you recommend it. All right. That's smart. Then do that. And I will check back in with you guys on the back end. For now, enjoy the speakings of the computer bar. Yo, yo, what's up, guys? You're chilling with your host, Marlon Johnson. Today, I have a very special guest with me. It is none other than Tyler Putaba. Am I saying that last name right? Yeah, pretty much as far as the East Coast accent you got going on. <laughs> you can say a Putaba, you can say Puterba, you can say, hey, what are you looking for? Hey, man, you know we got to Give them uh, that song the Shay made for you yesterday. Oh, as the intro. Oh, that would be beautiful. It is gold. <laughs> the computer bar. The computer bar. So we're going to jump right into it today. I have a couple of questions lined up for you. Um, feel free, of course, to take all freedom and liberty with these questions. Let's dive in deep with you. I want to talk about your movement. 
You told me that Joey Adrian was one of your first coaches. And when I met Joey, he was telling me that, yeah, you in fact were a part of, I guess it was an invite only class. Mm. What was that like having Joey Adrian as a coach? Because clearly when I watch your movement, I can see that there is an emphasis on flow and connections. So what was that like? And whatever happened to the rest of the athletes in that class? Mm, very good question. Um, having Joey as a coach is phenomenal. If you ever met Joey, he's very high energy. His ability to explain movement, like when you have a good coach, you know he's a good coach because the way that he explains the movement or breaks it down really just clicks in your mind. Like it's very easy to understand. Like I've definitely, now that I'm a coach, I've taught students and you find that when you're coaching, like you might have to explain things three or four different ways in order to get children to like kind of understand what you're talking about. For him, it was very clear, like every single time. I was like, oh sweet, that breakdown makes sense. And so um, really good at explaining things. Uh, if you ever get a chance to do his workshop, hit it out, shout out. Um, and then as far as the other kids in that class, I'll kind of break down more into his coaching philosophy or training philosophy because he actually had like everything that I say about him and how he coaches, he still preaches to this day. And like, if you go to, I know he does like online coaching and like, uh, he has a couple of blogs and, um, so he, like all the lessons that he's basically going through right now is pretty much what he taught me already. So like, I'll ask him, I'll be like, oh, what was your jump fest talk like? He's like, Psh, you already heard it all like over the years. And I was like, oh, okay, well, um, but the other kids in the class, um, one of them, good friend of mine, uh, his name was Joseph Scheidt. He stopped doing movement, just like, you know, some people just kind of gravitate away. Um, and then there, when I say is invite only class, there was just two of us, it's just <laughs> us two. Oh, um, man, and it's it, multiple. They, there, well, there was like two to four, like there were some younger kids, but they kind of like also drifted away. Um, it prime there, there was also this outside training facility. So like at the time we were fortunate enough to have revolution parkour which was the first gym in Oregon and that was the place where Joey worked at and that I trained um, and then we also had an invite only once a week outside training group that was actually led by Adam Dunlap or started originally by Adam um, and that was like actually very difficult like the, there was a test to get into it where you had to do like a strength exercise a willpower exercise and uh, parkour's course and a couple of others and for those who don't know parkour's with an s is a style of training where you do a circuit based training so you pick a circle in your environment and you do parkour in that circle for 10 laps and you're not allowed to stop moving or sit down um you have to if you're going to rest you have to do an active active type of movement like active leg like leg swings or something you can't stop until you're done um, and then you just met up no matter the weather once a week. I actually wish that that still happened, but it kind of died out a couple of years ago. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of a blast to have that, that like core community. And then a couple of those core like community members kind of left and moved away to other States or other cities or like their lives moved on. And it kind of like passed the mentality down to the next generation. Man, that's really cool. It's interesting to see that I didn't know this about you, that it seems like you came from a bit of the more fundamental parkour philosophy in the sense of the old school training 
of we're going to go out, we're going to hit repetition. There's going to be strength and conditioning. You don't just start throwing the bigger and bigger and bigger skills, which is kind of what we see with a lot of the next generation. They have the skills, but then their bodies are just deteriorating Mm. around the skills because they never, no one ever took the time to instill in them that, hey, we need to build yourselves strong for this, for this movement, be strong to be useful sort of philosophy. Yeah, and I know he gets a lot of shit, but again, gotta give that one out to Adam Dunlap because he had that kind of like old school, I met David Bell and this is how we train, <laughs> this is how we're going to train mentality, which like did trickle down for sure. Um, but kind of going back into how Joey trains, um, Joey trains lines. Everyone on the West Coast trains lines because of that. To some degree, not everyone on the West Coast, in Oregon at least. Um, and Joey was all about and I like kind of absorbed this and changed it even more. Um, but Joey was all about being able to do your best even when you're tired. So for example, we had a free running camp um, that was like free running level two or something, some, some random gym name. And again, it was just me and Joseph. And those were the only two people in the class. And we'd get, a, we'd get to the classes, it'd be a two hour camp in the summer. And it would just be us three and be like, what do you want to learn today? Okay, we'll get to that in a minute. First, we're going to work out hard as balls. (laughs) And so he'd get us, we'd do like an endurance course with workouts and then add the last, so again, two hour long class. And then in the last 45 minutes, he'd be like, okay, now we're going to learn new moves. Because the philosophy was if you can learn something when you're tired, how much better are you going to be when you're fresh? And so it's like, continuing off of that in my opinion nowadays when i train moves to be on lock quote unquote i don't consider a movement of mine to be on lock no matter how difficult it is unless i can do it at the beginning of a line in the middle of a line or at the end of a line if you can do it anywhere in the line then that move is officially on lock that makes sense and honestly like i hear so much of joey like when you're saying that because that's exactly the thing Joey spoke about at the Jump Fest seminar when he was at Woodward this summer. These mm-hmm. were kind of the messages he was preaching. And like I said, it's so clear when we watch you move in your videos, when you're playing in Forge, or when you're at competition putting lines together. It's, okay, shoot, banger after banger after banger. It's not, oh, he hit a really big trick and then ran across to the other side of the room to do another big trick. You figured out how to link multiple advanced level skills into one seamless line. And that is impressive. Really, there aren't too many people in the world that can do that. You know, they may have the skills, but they're not connecting them. They have bits and pieces, but there's no glue holding it all together. So that's crazy impressive. Um, Speaking of impressive, you were just at NAPC about two weeks ago. And you were able to get on the podium. You took home third, correct? Mm -hmm. And you did that with some messed up ankles at the time, like injured ankles. Um, I was doing, so like two weeks prior to the competition, I was, I don't even know what the name of this trick is, but uh, I was doing basically like a TAC 360 on the wall. Have you ever done a TAC 360 cat? Yeah. But it would be like TAC 360, hit your other foot TAC, and then wall dub full. So like a two-step wall double pull with a 360 in the middle. Okay, that's... Um, kind of hard to visualize, but if you go on my Instagram and scroll down, it's there. 
Um, and I really wanted to land it because it looks freaking tight. I saw Corbin Reinhardt do it forever ago with the single twist, and I, I know he's probably jonesing to do it for the dub full too. Um, and I just landed like kind of upright, but really low. My foot, my right ankle like caught on the mat. My body kept spinning. And then I super bottomed out. Like my, my literally my butt hit my heel in addition to the torque and the twist. And I just heard it like a, or like a, and in my ankle. And I was like, oh, that's not good. And then I was just kept it chill and couldn't walk for like a day or two. And then started quickly getting back to like, having some mobility, but not able to train nearly where I was at. And then a week after that, I did like a full re regiment routine of just like rest, rehab, and every way that I could to, because I was going to Woodward Tahoe for a week. And I was like, like don't want to miss Woodward Tahoe because like I love that place. So went there with the injured ankle, pretty it was like i don't recommend going to woodward while you're injured because like yeah. you just want to go ham and you can't when you're injured so it's like i was still throwing things i probably shouldn't have i just spent a lot of time in the foam pit which is low-key just as like elusively dangerous just because like you think you're really safe yeah. but actually there's an ankle twist and a rating to happen so i was trying to do like a I was I was trying to do like a, a wall flip palm flip on the same wall in the same move so you do a wall flip finish your rotation and then tap the wall with your hands and do another back flip Jeez. into the foam pit and I like it's really funny I have a video I missed my hands basically like I didn't but I still committed to the second tuck and it my foot like twisted again when I hit the foam pit and like that was excruciating that felt like I like did it all over again almost because it was so weak already and like I was in a brace, I didn't think it was like, you never, it's a foam pit. You always think it's going to be fine. Um, and then it pretty much took me back like four days, essentially, of heel time. Like if you think of your ankle as like a health bar, right? it was maybe at like 70% up the health bar. And every time you do some rehab or some good stuff for it, your health bar goes up. And then every time you train on it, your health bar goes down. It was like, <laughs> just like all the way down. So I was like, shit, I have a week until NAPC what am I, what can I do for my body? So I just went full nine yards. Like, uh, I had a physical therapy routine that I did three times a day with the TheraBand and, uh, stretching three times a day. I was on 11.5 alkali water soaks, like on my ankle, in addition to like drinking 9.5 water. Um, I also did chiropractic two times, acupuncture twice, and uh, laser light, like red, like infrared therapy, um, and then just really light mobility work training and getting back into it so I could have some amount of training going before. Because it's like when you go to a competition like that, you usually train the three weeks prior, like getting your shit ready. And I was just like stuck resting. Um, and when I got, I had actually decided the week before not to compete. And it wasn't until the day before that I was like, yeah, I'm actually going to compete because my ankle feels really good. So I left it to be a last minute decision on whether or not my ankle felt strong enough to do it. And it did. And it turned out really well. And the, the, I think Frosty commentated, he said that it would actually probably be in my advantage to be in like the 80% health range because it would force me to focus on flow and connectivity, which I have a very heavy focus on in general. So the fact that I literally couldn't do, like if you look at my first line, I didn't have a single spin move in it. 
because like landing and having my foot hit the ground with torque and spin is what hurt. Whereas I could do like normal precision compression fine. It was the like spin moves that were like scary to me. And like, if you've ever had an injury and you're coming back, like the biggest fear is to re-injure it. So it's like, I did not want to push myself. So I uh, like, and a big thing kind of transitioning, um, into the next where I wanted to go with this, which is my kind of style in general is I really, really like one of my favorite things to do is just find new creative transitions because for me, like the fun part of my movement is yeah, I can do the move, but what's, what's a subversion of expectation? Like it's super cool if you can do the move, but what if the whole room and the judges think I'm doing this thing, but actually doing this thing over here. Like you think I'm going one way when it's like, nope, going this way. So like that subversion of expectation is really fun to, to create in a line. And so, yeah. No, I mean, I know exactly what you mean. I did get a chance to see a little bit of your run when I watched the store recap Mm -hmm. of NAPC. And one thing I liked is when you started, you came over the bar into a cat. And then from there, you pulled right back up onto the platform again. Mm -hmm. And that threw me off where I was like, I don't know, I was expecting maybe a devil drop side or some anything else. I was not expecting you to pull yourself back up to the platform and then flip over down to the next platform. Yeah. So that was right there what you're talking about, being able to link and connect and throw your moves together. I have a question. Without the ankle injury, and this is obviously your opinion, but... Do you think after having watched the level of competition that occurred this past NAPC that if you were a little bit healthier, you would have had what it took to take gold? Or do you feel that maybe you still have some work to do in order to positively take gold? I don't know. It kind of depends on, like I said, that three week prior time that I was spent not training. I would have been training essentially and I'm not going to spoil it because I plan to do it next year but I had a particular big trick plan like the big trick that I did I did like a wall flip pre-pop right. back up that was, was pretty so cool. on the spot yeah, like that was cool. I had no idea especially with my ankle injury I'm like well I hope I don't make it to big like I was literally telling other athletes I'm like I hope you knock me out so I can just chill and hang out because like part of <laughs> NAPC that's that's really fun is to be there and hang out with all your friends that you only get to see once a year so I was like dope Hopefully someone knocks me out. All of my stress from competing can be gone and I can just hang out. That didn't end up happening. And so I was like, (laughs) okay, what's a move that I can do that won't kill me? Um, But yeah, I think that if I was able to train the way that I had planned and I was able, like, if the move in my head, like, worked, (laughs) let's say, I think that it definitely would have been a move that would compare to Max's double side pre in difficulty, which is ridiculous to say. And it makes you like, be <laughs> like, oh, okay, really though? But yeah, that blew my When he told me he was going to do that, I was like, you're joking, right? And he's like, no, I think I got it. I'm like, when he said that, I wasn't even going to doubt him. I was like, okay, how can I give you the vibes that you need right. to make? Like, how can I, because essentially I had already made the decision, well, I'm not winning. Like, I'm, I've got a bro. So like, how can I boost my boy like up there as much as possible? But to kind of answer your question, uh yes i feel like i could have taken first but at this and like again with the side pre that like uh that ed scott did like the first thing i saw when i walked in that gym was the same side pre 
And it's like, I knew it's not hard. It's just full sprint. Right. So for me, it's not quite as much like I'm sure he, flo- he flowed into it excellently. Like I'm sure I could have found something like that to do into it. But, um, me and Max and Joy were like, oh, let's do it after the comp just for fun. So it's like, as though I know that was a very difficult thing to do, but it's, I know other people in the competition also have that skill level to do right. it. Right. So it's like, you kind of, especially when you are at that level, you have such a big trick bag to pull from. So it's trying to find what is the movement and the line that you want to create for this competition. Right. So it's like picking those moves very wisely, uh, is really important. And so, yeah, I, I, I can't say whether or not I would win definitively, but next year is going to be very interesting. See, that's so insane to me that our sport is getting to this level where you're talking about a guy's like big trick run or one of his skill runs, um, style runs, and you're just saying like, yeah, no, like we played with it afterwards, like, and it's not like in a cocky way; it's in a matter of fact way of no, and it's that's fun where too. The, exactly like that's where you know ten years ago. People would not be looking at a flip free like that and then let alone have 10, 15 people in the room that can also do it and some of them being children. You know, like, oh my gosh, right? Oh, the kids who threw down at that comp. Aiden, Jaden, uh, if I'm missing one, I'm sorry. I know Riker's also a savage child. Oh, dude, and we're just Riker's talking about kids. So like At least Warhol, next generation, going to be the best athlete in the world. We'll see as long as he doesn't break his body. Um <laughs> And then I kind of wanted to touch on something because I feel like a lot of people, are, especially in the UK, or like there are a lot of people that um, don't like competition as much because especially with the origin of parkour, like it wasn't designed to be a competitive sport. And I want to like kind of reassure people that like if you do want to compete and you have done other sports in the past that have competitions... Parkour competitions are unlike any other competition in the world. Maybe, I'm sure other action sports are kind of similar, but, like, for me, it just feels like a jam. Right. And, like, I I haven't, like, I was used to be a competitive gymnast when I was really young, um, and then I went into competitive diving. And in those sports, you're, you're, the people you're competing against, like, you don't see and train with them or interact with them. They're not, like, your friends, like they're not the enemy but like you're trying to beat them and you don't care whether or not they mess up you're almost jonesing for them to mess up so that you can take like the gold or whatever it may be and parkour it's not like that at all it's like every person in the line like you see in the video like everyone's giving each other love like everyone's hugging it out like oh my god your run was so cool i love this transition here like i remember during like our big tricks and lines like because you all have to practice in the same space at the same time you have to be courteous and give each other turns right to go so it's the same as like when you're making your lines and prepping during that like given allotted practice time that's like a jam and like it's pretty cool to also like be able to help others with their lines and that happens a lot more than you might think so like a lot of the competitors are kind of helping each other in a way and so it, it doesn't have that kind of like, I'm trying to beat you vibe. It's more of a like, I want to see what all my friends can do vibe. No, definitely. And the people that are terrified of introducing competition to parkour, personally, in my experience, especially being at Woodward, hosting competitions for the students on a weekly basis, every Friday, giving them the opportunity to run speed, skill and style. What we found was a lot of the athletes get to level up and evolve on the spot 
when yeah. we would make their finals challenges for them, a lot of them would be like, oh my God, I absolutely cannot do that. I've never done anything like that before. But the energy and the camaraderie of the group, the group morale fed them to be able to get the challenges. I watched a kid who never lashed into a polecat do lashing into polecat from a line, like a run we gave him to do. If we left him there to do it on his own without the surrounding of a competition, he wouldn't have gotten that. It would have taken another couple of months for him to achieve that and have that breakthrough. So personally, I'm in a boat where I think competitions have a place in our community and it does not mean that you're selling out to the core values. It's just an evolution of where parkour is going. Yeah, definitely. And and I mean, it also, like, usually, I don't know, for the parkour listeners out there, like, I haven't really met too many parkour people where I'm like, I don't really like your vibe. Like, or like, I don't really like you. Like, most of the time, people that do parkour share a similar mentality because it takes a certain type of person to want to do parkour because, like, what is parkour? It's like, literally, a, <laughs> you go out and you find challenges, things that are difficult that you don't know if you can succeed or not, and then you do them. So, like, it takes tenacity. It takes a person who has a, a good relationship with failure, and it takes a person that, like, doesn't quit after the first try. Like, I have students that get really beat up. Like, they, they will beat them. Like, I've even had students physically hurt themselves when they, they'll, like, hit themselves when they do something wrong because they have such a problem with like a self-image almost of like they they're not good enough or like they didn't do it the first time correct so it's like they're bad where it's like a really good tracer or parkour athlete um knows they're not most they're most likely not going to get it first try and it's in the pursuit of doing it 50 times that is the joy right and then getting it and having that like yes that's that's like the joy of parkour so like most people that are like, oh, this is hard. I'm going to go do something else. Like, they just don't do parkour. Right. And it's interesting just to piggyback off of that idea. It's kind of, a, not I don't want to say a fault, but it's a product of almost our upbringing, our schooling, and our culture in the sense typical schools, they don't necessarily reward failure. You know, it's almost mm. like when you mm-hmm. come to school, yeah. you need to be able to get it right the first time around. And if you can't do so, then you're the outcast. You're doing something wrong here. You're incompetent. However, in the real world, we know you need to actually go mess up, get the experience so you know how to do it right. And you know why it needs to be done like this. So you actually gain way more from the failure. So almost being willing to accept your future failures and say like all right screw it like i know i need to get my 100 bad reps out of the way before it gets perfected and now it's like i have this refined piece of work here Mm -hmm. so i think you're right with that in the sense of most of us in the parkour community we have that value to us and there's something intrinsic about that characteristic within most of us and we seek to develop and grow that part of us That's why I think we all typically get along. There have been a few people that have filtered into the community. Or maybe just haven't quite figured that out yet. Right. And they either, like you said, they're either figuring it out or they get there, recognize that, huh, I'm way too much of an outsider here. And they kind of fizzle themselves out. But at the core, that's really what our community is made of, which is super cool. I have a question for you 
And this is really to help out any younger athletes that may be looking to go the competition route. As somebody who has competed and is continuing to compete, what would be one bit of advice that you would give to anyone who is looking to progress in that direction where movement isn't going to be just recreational for them? They actually do want to podium and be on the competition scene. What would you tell them would be is one of the more important things for them to consider? Why are you competing is the first thing that comes up into my head. Like um, myself, the reason like you're again, that's like ask that question to me. Um, one, I love to compete. I'm a very competitive person. Like I'm the kind of guy who always tries to get shotgun, like first kind of thing. <laughs> like there's just a natural urge for me to want to compete. And I partly blame that on gymnastics, like because I was put in gymnastics from a very young age. And then like after coaching gymnastics too, and seeing like how they literally breed children for gymnastics, like uh, they, they will literally like for me, I, sk- I started with the, like the fun rec program and then I transitioned into team cause I saw I was really talented. I skipped level three and went right into level four and, or skipped level two, right into three, whatever, one of the two, I don't remember. It's been a while. And it was literally like I was saying, like they breed you to be more competitive because it's about winning. It's about getting to the Olympics. It's about getting the gold. It's about that whole system essentially and that they'll like purposefully find children that are the right body type the right mentality the the people who have the drive and then they take those athletes and groom them for like the olympics and so i think on some level that made me more competitive and i just enjoy the act of competition i think it pushes me to be stronger it pushes other people around me to be stronger Uh, but there's also the other side of it, which is like the more business and the more like life style part of competing, which is you can gain credibility through action. So for example, uh, Joey is a very credible person in the community and his points of view and same with like Alfred or like these, these top tier community members because they've earned it. Right. So you can, you can become credible through schooling. Or you can become credible through doing so for me like my drive for competition is one I have a personal goal I'd like to win a national competition almost got there um, and then I have a secondary goal which is I'd like to earn the credibility to be able to influence my community and uh, there's really no shortcut to that like you just have to put in the work um, the second thing is if you're trying to compete for fame or money, you're not in the right sport. <laughs> if you want that, go play football, go play a sport that has tons of money. Cause there is not that in parkour in this 10 seconds. Um, that's probably going to come in like 10, 20 years. I definitely see sponsors and like bigger companies getting involved soon, but our sports too young. Like it's, it's so young. Like even skateboarding is young and it's old in comparison to us. So if you're if you're in it for the right reasons, then you're going to go far and you're going to do well. But if you're, if you're looking for like fame and recognition and all that kind of a thing, then probably look for that somewhere else. I think that's the best advice you could have given to anybody listening. It really taps in on having intention, figuring out, like you said, why are you doing this? Think it all the way through. Do you just want the hype? from going to competitions? Do you want to grow it and segue it 
into your next action and your next mountain? Or are you just looking to goof around with your friends? Mm-hmm. All are valid, valid, valid reasons. And what reasoning is so that later when it gets difficult, you have something to pull you through yeah, exactly. the rough times and the hard training and the shit days because there will be shit days. Oh, there will be. Oh, man. So, whew, happy we got the movement stuff out of the way. I do love talking about the movement. I really do. However, I told you this the other night. The new passion for me is business, and that's why I've been enjoying talking to you so much recently because you are very passionate about business and you are very intelligent about this stuff. You have clearly put in a lot of hours studying, learning, gaining experience. Can you kind of share where you're at with that? You own a couple of businesses and you're working to grow them. Can you elaborate on that? Um, Yeah, so right now I think I guess we'll go with why I started getting more into business in the first place, which is kind of piggybacking off of where we were just, or what I was just saying, which is there, anyone who is currently a professional athlete in parkour knows there is not any money in our sport. And so for me, I had that realization like about two years ago, three years ago when I went to my first NAPC and I was like, oh, the prize money is like a grand. And that's not even rent for like a month in a real place. So obviously we're not making football playing like millions of dollars like contracts and things like that. So you kind of need to have a backup plan. Now to say that you should quit parkour and pursue a real job is, in my opinion, silly. Um, I think that there's definitely a way to do both, to do what you love and make money doing it. And I think that I, if you had told me a year or like three years ago what I'd be doing now, I'd laugh at you. I'd be like, what? Um, so to kind of give the audience more of an idea, I, about two years ago, got into selling jerky, believe it or not. And it, it came originally because the, the purpose was not to sell jerky and make money and have a business. The purpose was me and my dad started to brainstorm. We said, well, if we know that the route in the industry is going to be getting, like, like what do other sports have? They have sponsors, right? So how do we get sponsors? Well, what do we want? Who, who, what com- so the first thing is, what, what company and brand ideas do you want to align yourself with? So for example, for me, I don't drink caffeine, I don't drink energy drinks, so I don't really want to be sponsored by, um, like, uh, that type of a company. At the same time, Red Bull, if you see my movement, nothing against you. I would totally be down to be a Red Bull. I mean, athlete, they are making a health drink. But I'm filling, I'm filling that up with water <laughs> because they're so bad for you. Um, but yeah, so Jerky originally was just going to be a sponsor, and then the guy, like the we just so happened to meet like a manufacturer essentially um, or a wholesaler, and my dad just started selling it out of his trunk and doing really, really well. And he was essentially like the proof of concept. And he was like, hey, I'm actually making like a lot of money just selling the jerky rather than having it be like a sponsor, like them contributing to me as an athlete. Um, why don't we why, why don't we do this? And so I was like, I don't know. I'm not really that passionate about jerky. I'm passionate about like parkour and movement. And then once I kind of dove into it, into like the business side of things and was like, oh, 
what do I really like about parkour? I like the movement, it fills my soul for sure, but what I really like is that constant feeling of progression. That constant, I have something to work towards and when I train, I get a little closer and you get that dopamine hit of completion, like yes, I did this task. And the same thing happens when you have your own business. It's hard and it's arduous and if you're the kind of person that doesn't wanna put in daily work and grind for no money in the beginning, like don't be a business owner or an entrepreneur, like do your nine to five. But if you're the kind of person that like that idea excites you and you're like, yeah, I wanna grind for the first couple of years until like I become successful and then I can relax. And I mean, it's not really relaxing, but you you, you don't have to worry as much. Of, you're creating fi financial independence, which is always the goal. I think a lot of parkour athletes, they're like, yeah, I just need financial independence and then I can just go do parkour all day. Um, so that's definitely my goal. Financial independence is going to be step one. Step two is going to be wealth. So then you can kind of help out your community, at least in my case. Um, but yeah, so jerky became an actual business. Uh, right now it's called Bridgetown jerky, but in a month we're going to be doing a rebrand to be called flipping good jerky. Cause of course that's definitely way more on brand and lots more fun to play with. So in like a month, if you guys or when this is out, Check out flippinggoodjerky.com and you can get some very tasty, delicious. We, we're going to have like a an athlete line. So we're going to do meat that is specifically designed to be really, really healthy. Only whole ingredients, really high in protein, low in sodiums and sugars. And then if I can, I want to kind of create like a supplement meat. Some kind. It's very difficult because meat's uh, regulated by the FDA. So you got to be careful about they, they kind of it's a very difficult to regulate get it get a new type of meat product regulated um but it'd be cool to have like a supplement jerky that has like magnesium in it and like other minerals that help with the recovery process um and then we want to have a flavor line so you have function and you have flavor so for the people that really just love jerky we want to have the best tasting jerky from all over the world that they can have so we have right now we've got like gator elk bison whiskey barbecue maple bourbon like some really good stuff but it's gonna develop into like this whole new thing. And then uh, I do have like multiple ventures, so like that kind of, and once you get into business, like it just tumbles, it just tumbles and tumbles and you get connections and you start networking and you meet people and they see what you're doing and they wanna get involved. And so now I, I also now have a CBD company which is called Bodyworks CBD and it kind of, again goes along with like the theme of healthy body healthy lifestyle so um, really fits like on brand for my image and what I want to create and pursue and both of those have been very successful in the short term and we've been scaling and preparing to like really upscale and the goal with that is to create eventually have enough wealth to reinvest into the community so I want to create like a nonprofit company that I can use to sponsor athletes to go out to events or do things like like what the opportunities that I w didn't have because the infrastructure wasn't there yet. So like eventually, let's say I've got like $100,000 as a company and the way taxes work for those who don't aren't into taxes, you have a, a certain tax bracket that you're in and you have to pay taxes when you have a business. So businesses do tax write-offs and one of the write-offs that you can use is donations like to a, a charity so what most wealthy people do is they create their own charity to donate to so basically that's what I'm doing I'm gonna be creating my own charity for well nonprofit that I can use to kind of like one 
have uh, a tax write-off for my businesses, so it's creating benefit on that side of things. And two, all that money that I'm literally just giving to this company is going to get back into the, the community. It's like if I could fund like a parkour park in my, or a movement park, we'll say, in my city, that would be like ultimate goals, right? So have like a literal thing that I was able to give back to. That is really cool. I don't think a lot of people, unless they met you in person, have any clue that that's what you're up to. No, not at all. And I try to actually keep it separate. There, I was going to wait like officially on Instagram and like post it out once our rebrand is done because right. I want everything to be on, ready. Yeah, ready for that type of a scale. And also like shipping worldwide needs to be a thing. Um, and so... You'll definitely start hearing more from me about that in the next coming months once we get things ready, essentially. But, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, no, and I think a lot of people would support it coming from you, seeing that, wow, this guy is a part of the community. He's growing himself in so many avenues and so many facets, and there's an impact behind it. It's not just, yeah, I want to be financially independent, because, yeah, you admit you want to be financially independent, and I'm all for that I personally think everybody should aspire to be financially independent. But then you also say, I want to get back to the community. I still really do care about these parkour guys. And you recognize how hard an athlete can work at progressing the movement in this sport to receive nothing back for it. You know, oh, like you're so going to get, yeah, you'll have your kind of your own feeling of all right i did it i made it happen so you're gaining value there but for the rest of the world to not really necessarily recognize it and there's no nothing monetary that is a symbol of how hard you worked whereas football players i know how hard he works he's getting a 50 million dollar check next week that's how hard he worked you guys there's a handful of people in the world that can do what you do and what you get a trophy slap a on little, the back and yeah like, good, good job you get a couple like hundred thousand likes if you're dom if like, that yeah yeah just like so to hear that somebody wants to create that infrastructure i'm big into that if anyone's ever listened to any other episode i talk about i the word infrastructure in parkour comes up so often for me because it's not built yet so i want to start saying that word so when you said it just now on the inside, I got like a little giddy. I was like, oh, yes, like it's happening. Like reality is being molded and built right here in front of us. Yep, for sure. And I think, um, I don't know if this was one of your questions or not, but I'm going to kind of ask this question to myself or and to you, I guess, which is um, if there is one piece of advice that I would have for all the like parkour people out there or young, young people that are around my, I'm 21 for those who don't know. Um, and are kind of like trying to figure out what they want to do and are kind of debating in their head that battle of do I take the safe road in a path that I know will be financially like acceptable for me or do I try to like shoot for my passion and I would say you can do both and you can also create both but um, the first step to that is you need to just like we were saying with why you're competing you need to figure out what your end goal is so you have a very clear vision about what you want to create so the step one is going to be in terms of business and monetary speaking 
what is the amount, like put a literal number on it, what is the amount of money that it would take for you to be happy? And so for me, that number will be like $100,000 because that's how much, a year by the way, how much money a year would you need to make to be happy? And for me, again, that's like a hundred grand because that's how much it would take for me to have a house, a yard, a family, like a hundred grand is how much about it takes to have a four person family and still be like middle class, let's say, and like be able to have all your needs met, be able to have quality, good food. Food's pretty expensive if you're eating right. Um, and then also be able to like go and travel, right? So have all your kind of like basic needs met. You don't really need to worry about bills. That's probably somewhere around a hundred grand. Um, now for me to feel satisfied, but so you want to create two numbers. One, how much money does it take for you to be happy? How much money will it take for you to be satisfied in your goals for accruing money? Right. And for me that being totally honest, like any man, it sounds brash, but like 500 million would be like um, really cool because like and again people are like oh well that's just like ridiculous that's like a one percent like what do you, why do you need that much money it's like okay well i would like that i don't need that much money i want that much money so that i can have a greater influence in the community because i see a lot of problems with current day society that really frustrate me especially in government especially in infrastructure and the way that our country isn't using its resources properly in my opinion um just by our military budget spending alone so like for example flint michigan needs all new pipes and waters and like all these different things so it's like with 500 million dollars a year income you could actually create infrastructure in like the city you live in and like donate to schools like i would love to create like lots of different charity events or like for me learning is a big thing like i didn't go to college but i still and like doing all these things. And I learned that through one mentors, like other people that are already on that path, like can kind of point you in the right direction. And then just tons and tons of internet research. But especially nowadays, be careful out there when you're on the internet, because there's a lot of false information out there. So you got to be careful that you're getting reliable, credible information. And so that's where you go to your mentors and you go, what's the reliable stuff? And they'll point you in the right direction. And the so yeah, essentially with 500 million, you can definitely create more of a positive impact and a much grander scale. And that's, that's kind of the goal. That's really cool. I like that you say that because, you know, a lot of people, when you start mentioning numbers like that, $100,000, $500,000, I've played with those numbers with people in our community. And a lot of times there's a little bit of kickback or there is that, why do you need so much? And hey, I just need enough to get by so I can do parkour every day and like eat. And it's just like, if you had more though, you can do more. Because I think a lot of people forget the money isn't the end goal. The money is just a means yeah. to get to the end goal. The mm -hmm. money transforms into other things. It was crazy. We went to the city the other night, right? Mm -hmm. And every time I look at my skyline, I get a new feeling. And now when I look at those skyscrapers and those buildings, I no longer think like, why do you need a building so big? I think, wow, you have a massive influence and a massive impact. And that physical structure that I'm looking at is you've manifested that structure into reality. And that shows how much reach you actually have here on earth. The same way when I look at the pyramids, I'm like, wow, that thing is big, powerful, and wow, like, 
we're still here talking about the pyramids today. You know, like the pyramids just came into this conversation. Granted, I brought it here, but that shows how powerful of an impact it had on human history, on human behavior, on human evolution. So when you're able to get to the place where it's like, yeah, you're making 500 million a year, that money gets transformed into, yeah, you're going out and you're feeding, you know, a million people. Yeah. You're providing clean water. You're providing education like that works for the modern modern man. You're teaching modern boys how to be men in today's age. And all of that gets lost in translation or gets lost in the old stigma of money is the root of all evil, which yep. is just, if you're still saying that it's a very, in my opinion, silly, immature thing to be saying, it, you should be questioning why. Why am I saying this? Where is this thought coming from? Why do I believe money is the root of all evil? Money is an amplifier of what is already there. Nice. If, I was waiting for you to say that. I was going to say that if you didn't. Yeah, like if you were a jerk before you got rich, you're just going to be a gonna bigger a jerk. Bigger jerk. Exactly. And then if you're Mother Teresa, if I gave a billion dollars to Mother Teresa, you think Mother Teresa is going to go put on some ice, get some, a Lambo. Some Gucci belts. Yeah, like, like it's, it's not happening. It's, she's just going to be a bigger Mother Teresa and she's going to spread the love. She'll have way more ability to spread the mm -hmm. love and totally that's kind of where i want to see people in our community start to direct themselves because it is a team effort and the more of us that are on this endeavor the faster we can get there the more we can piggyback off of each other which is why the rich hang out with the rich which is why the one percent hang out with the one percent that's why they go to the seminars and they meet and they network it's not that they're trying to exclude anybody they just understand if I get around people who are also better the same way if you are a parkour practitioner, don't you always jump on the opportunity to get into your car, drive across state, go to a jam and train with the pros that you know are going to come out or train with the best people or just go to those communities and pick their brains and pick their movement. It's the same. So if within our own community, we can begin to grow ourselves in that facet, we would also give ourselves another advantage we would give ourselves another boost and wow like that would be amazing that could be something insane however it takes guys like you right now who are pioneering the way and making it happen and i appreciate having people like you in this community because i'm trying to do this as well and it's hard to find others who are like-minded and are willing to go through the shit and go through the unknowns or just search and find the right people to bring back answers to the community to help us all. So Damn. appreciate that big time. Well, yeah, thank you. I appreciate you appreciating that. I appreciate you saying <laughs> that. I definitely agree. And I'm uh, really happy that you everyone's like kind of on the same page on that note. I definitely, uh, while you were talking just then, you said the word community a lot. And so it kind of brought me back to something I was thinking about in regards to my community. And one of the things about my community and about the greater parkour community that I really enjoy, which is kind of the lessons that we teach our kids. And one thing is that I'm not sure if it's taught like this everywhere, but in Oregon, this is what we teach our kids. Like we teach one about community, right? About jams, about being positive to each other and about like one being aware of others. So for example, if you're outside training, pedestrians have the right of way you don't get to be rude to people and 
be like, hey, like I'm I'm walking, I'm training over <laughs> here. Um, no, 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 no. They're you're in their way. You're, they're not in your way. And then like same thing with security. At least in Oregon, for us, we try to promote the mentality of like we try to go away from skateboarding in regards to like being kind of brash towards security. So what we do is like we kind we we inform them that we're not trying to be mischievous. We know what we're doing. We're being safe. And that if they ask us to leave, we leave politely and kindly and with a good impression. And then we wait about an hour and come back. Yeah. <laughs> and so, because they know, like, we're not doing anything illegal necessarily. They just, unfortunately, the way it works in America is you can sue someone for getting injured on their property, which makes no sense. Um, like, I'm not going to sue them if I get hurt. I got hurt. That was my bad. But that's a whole nother kettle of beans. Um, going back to community, like teaching these kids that again to be supportive to one another like when you're in class or when you're at an event or a jam i i i will hound on a kid if like another student of mine does something terribly and they're like ha that was bad you suck i'm gonna be like no shut the heck up do 10 push-ups you suck for doing that (laughs) um i only encourage like positive positive encouragement from like students and it creates a wonderful community and one thing and that kind of all those values what i learned actually from charles shout out charles uh Bujad, i'm sorry if i butchered your last name um phenomenal speed athlete from france i believe he podiumed last year at the napc and again this year and in speed and he's podiumed this year and had a stumble in his run which is crazy how fast he is but uh he was teaching me about the original teachings from the um the Ardu de Displacement, the ADD group, and that this whole idea of community is not actually from David Bell. It's from Ardu de Displacement. And they are the people that kind of created the mentality of community and camaraderie and like positivity. And that David was more about self progression and training and that he wasn't even a social person. Like he didn't even go out and like, he only trained with like his core group. And even then he would prefer to like, still somewhat train alone and so it's like for him it was more about the self whereas now i see it progress to be more about the group and i prefer that and i I hope that that's being kind of taught everywhere but i've definitely been to places where parkour the people who own the parkour gyms are just businessmen and they don't really give a fuck about the community and so that's where you start to see these traceurs or these parkour athletes that don't really have the same mentality as everyone else right and that's, I think, what most of us fear when we hear like things like parkour is going to the Olympics. That yeah. this thing is going to grow faster than the core community can reach out and influence it. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I parkour. share in that fear a little bit. But at the same time, I also recognize you have to release things to the world and trust that you built it strong enough. I personally believe our true core values are strong enough where if parkour entered a world stage like the olympics the first thing parents are going to do like Like today yeah if let's say today it was on the olympics right Mm -hmm. you turn on tv there it goes and now like everyone in the house is watching parkour everyone in the u.s is watching it the first thing they do after it's done go onto their computers google parkour gym or parkour parkour near me whatever your local gym should pop up right now most of our local gyms are being coached and ran by practitioners who have the core values at heart so as long as you end up in one of those parkour facilities your child should still be getting 
this core that we speak about, even if they are wanting to do it only for the Olympic route, because then it's a matter of you come to my gym and I say, hey, I offer a recreational parkour. And yeah, if your kid's looking to go to the Olympics, I mean, we could prepare him for that as well. And, you know, that's a conscious decision he's making the same way that kind of gymnastics. There's recreational gymnastics and then there's Olympic, there's team. There's kind of a vibe, though, in gymnastics where it's almost elitism where, like, you got the team people that, like, are like yeah, well, we're the team. And they also get, like, somewhat preferential treatment by the gym. And I agree with that. And at the same time, I think we've seen it, at least I've seen it a million times because I've just been in so many gyms, that when people see how much fun we're having. Oh, yeah. And, like, you look over to the left and you're there for team practice and you look over and we're just, like, homieing out on the side. The kids are having a great time. Your toes are on point of we're still cheering you on. It's like, and we're helping you get better, but we're just, it's at your pace. And there is no timeline set totally. on your progression. That's when everyone starts grab. We've had girls in my gym leave the gymnastics team and come over to parkour and be yeah, like, I totally. want to do this. This looks like so much more fun. there's no judgment. Right. So I think it's, it's just, you know, if we are on that world stage, it's just a gateway. And if you're doing it right, you're just getting people's attention and then it's up to you to give them value. But that would provide the job of marketing to them. So potentially your job of marketing just got way easier because now people are asking about you and they're curious about you and you've, for that brief moment, have their attention. How What we do with it, because like you said before, like we were talking about earlier, we can't dwell on what is or isn't, it just, or what isn't, it's just this is the lay of the land. If parkour does go that route and it grows past the core what are we going to do about it today how do we go forward how do we move forward instead of just bitching and saying well it should be like this well it's not so what are we actually going to do so that's awesome we're tapping a lot of topics and I do want to reel it back a little bit closer to business as you've begun your ventures what would you say has been one of the most valuable lessons you've learned to date with business? With business? In regards to business. Or maybe it's not even business. Maybe the lesson you learned is in regards to life overall or training. But if you can cater the question towards business, what's one of those things that as you stepped into this new skill of learning how to be a business practitioner or a businessman, what was one of those things that like, okay, this is my fundamental and I have to revisit this every day the same way when you're doing physical movement training. There are certain fundamentals where it's like, if this is weak, the rest of this is going to be weak. Hmm. I would say having a really good business plan at first is a good call. Um, everyone always is like, make sure you have a business plan. It's like, you can definitely go pretty far without one and just like having an idea and pursuing it. But like, I think the biggest lesson that I've learned as of recent is that if you want to be a scalable business, if you want to be a successful business, you need to one model yourself after a success. So like if you're trying to be a $500 million business, you need to do the things that $500 million businesses do. Um, and so having the back end of your business be freaking tight knee. Okay, actually, 
I'm going to go in a different direction slightly. That all is important and having a business plan is important. But I would say having a team is probably the most important. Um, and so right now, as far as like lessons go, it's not really so much of a lesson as it is so much of a, like, you need to have this kind of a thing. Um, but having a quality team around you to be able to do the things like you're not like you cannot do everything. And for all of you guys out there that want to start a business, definitely get started, but know that if you're going to scale your business to scale, you need a team, you need a numbers guy. You need an art director or someone who has the creative vision, and that can be you. You can fill multiple parts of these roles. And in fact, the more people that you have that are diversely talented, the better. But you cannot do it all, and you will drown yourself if you try to do it all. So creating a team of people around you, and you need to choose wisely with these people. I would encourage you to like maybe pick your friends or family at first just to keep costs low, but they always tell you don't go don't move in with your friends and don't uh go into business with your friends because it will kill friendship relationships that is true i have experienced that (laughs) um and so i would say build a team wisely and find people that have strengths in your weaknesses because that will definitely be the biggest asset to your future and then other type of like like more lessons learned would be understand ta- understanding taxes uh, on the back end of things as boring as it is it's very important you got to be making sure that you're doing things right I would say uh, not skipping steps is really important um, as fun as it is and sometimes you can move really quickly but like you need to make sure that you're following uh, like when you're scaling that you're doing everything right otherwise you're gonna cause bigger bumps in the road down the line because you skipped a step like you didn't set up your payment gateways correctly you're like you, something in your website is off or maybe you like again when you scale up every your system gets tested right and if it isn't a good system then it's going to fail so i think the biggest lesson that i'm learning right now is getting your systems in place so that they're ready for when you are growing and then again just another really good lesson is prepare yourself for your opportunities. So be ready for when the angel investor, when you meet the person who who knows the guy, who's gonna be the guy to set you up for success for your opportunity and be ready for that and have that like knowledge ready to go that you like be able to converse and speak their language, let's say. So I think preparing yourself for your opportunities, um, building a team and setting up your systems are going to be the three big ones. Man, I hope for anybody listening right now, you understand the amount of gold you just (laughs) received that people pay thousands of dollars to hear these words in that order being spoken for them. So please, like, pause it, rewind it, listen to that again, because that is... It's gold. Like, that really is so crucial, and it's for everything you do in life. You know, you spoke earlier about being able to be somebody, like, earning the right to be able to speak to the community, gaining credibility, and, you know, everything you just said, although I asked you that question about business, it's pretty much the exact same thing you did with movement. So, in that sense, you already have credibility of you built a team of yourself, your trainers, your coaches, 
the people around you, the people that help heal you up, they're there for you. Then you went through the process. You didn't skip any steps. You didn't. It's like that parkour meme. You didn't just, you know, jump to step number five. I learned like, a backflip. Time to double. Yeah, it's like you. No, like now you repped it out and you built up the progress and you built your body strong and you stretched and you cooled down and you warmed up and you did all of the progression steps to allow you to obtain the growth you want and keep the growth you get. So it's not just fleeting in the moment. And like that's amazing. And it's so interesting to see how the two are so closely intertwined. If you're able to kind of scale out and look at it like that, you could see, okay, the values I'm gaining here in one area through the medium of parkour or the values I'm gaining here through the mediums of business, those values can be taken out and those skills can be taken out and dropped into any other medium. I find too many of us are one-trick ponies. You said finding a team that is capable of diversifying within themselves, that they're not just, okay, I'm your accountant. That's all I am. Like There's a time and place when you need an accountant who's only an accountant. But then if your accountant can also, you could go to them and they can have useful input on perhaps the new image you're drawing up for the brand. Mm -hmm. That's useful. That's a way more useful accountant because now that accountant serves two purposes. It's like your cell phone. If your cell phone only made phone calls, great. But what if it could also go on the internet? Yeah. And what if it could also take pictures? And it does all of those things extremely well. That's a way more powerful thing. And before you can find that in other people... I personally believe you need to create it within yourself because how are you going to know when you've seen it in someone else if you don't yeah, know what it looks definitely. like? Yeah, it. definitely. It's hard to find. Like, you need to be, especially if you're going to be the business owner, like if you're going to be the head, the, the spearhead, you need to at least know what quality looks like in all the categories. So you don't have to be that, but you at least got to know what it looks like. Right. And and what you were talking about, about like I wouldn't, for, for all you listeners, like I wouldn't get too caught up and trying to find the right person because a lot of the times if you just kind of go with things they'll find you almost like you'd be surprised how many serendipitous things have occurred in the last <laughs> two years that you're just like wow i can't believe that because i did this this happened and that led me to this guy and now we're working together um and so like it is kind of actually difficult to find i, I call them unicorns but yeah. people who are multi-talented like having your logo designer also be a web designer like a lot of the times those things do go hand in hand and so you can find people that do both but a lot of the times you'll also find a logo designer that wants like five grand for their logo so you got to also understand where you are within the realm of business like you're not like there are people that are just logo designers or just design companies and they work with big companies to create things for them except they charge ridiculous amounts so that's not ideal if you're just starting out so, like, if you're just starting out, it might work better to just bootstrap things until you get a successful product. Like, if you have a good product, you have a good product, and it's just getting it out there to people, right? Um, and so, a lot of the times, you're going to want to keep costs low, but keep quality high. And finding that, like, ratio is really important. Man, I like that. And even earlier, you said something about how you look at Fortune 500 companies and you're saying, okay, well, I'm growing to that scale. I'm going to look at what they're doing. I'm going to do what they're doing. 
earlier you also told me something else that added more context that I want to make sure the listeners know. You also looked at the history and the case studies of how those companies got there. So yes, mm-hmm. you're doing what they're doing, but yeah. you're not necessarily doing what they're doing today because it doesn't make sense for you in this current position. So you scale back through their history. You look at, okay, when they were in my position, what were they doing there? Oh, yeah. What got them to the next step, to the next level? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people try and skip those important steps. It's like, hey, I'm going to go get trained by Joey Adrian, and Joey Adrian's throwing double backs today, so I'm throwing double backs today. It's like, well, you weren't with Joey when he did his 1,000 double back timers. Where you, you skipped that part. He did that part. So you two are not doing the same thing today because he's doing it on top of this foundation on top of this platform whereas you're doing it on this platform two different things now so i want to make sure that people understand that and i know you understand that because we spoke about that and that rung so true in my mind of like wow like this guy as the more i talk to you the more i realize like okay he does have what it takes to achieve and it's not just empty words mm, thank you i appreciate that um i think there's a lot of actual really good content out there. For example, Gary V is a, a, a like if you if you're not if you're an entrepreneur and you don't know who Gary V is, you're doing yourself a disservice. He's like the classic just go out and work and save kind of guy. He's like fuck the secret. Like if you guys know that movie, yeah. The Secret. Um, there is definitely something to be had about energy and like having alignment with what you're you want and like being able to create that and. and something to be said but there is another part where you can't just do that you also got to put in the work and that's what Gary Vee is all about but he also does interviews with like podcasts just like we're doing now with fortune 500 company leaders and so go on the internet and find interviews of companies that you want to emulate and you they'll literally just tell you about how they got started and it's crazy most of the stories you're like what like just like mine for example like I never would have thought I would be doing this is usually what they say and then all of a sudden they're doing it right so going and hearing how like uh, how they got started is a really big help to kind of give you it's like when you go out and you watch a parkour video you want to train it makes it fills your fire like it builds it and it makes you want to be more ambitious in addition to kind of being a roadmap. I agree, and that's big. I'm happy you said that because even us talking today, like I'm starting to get like, all right, I'm hyped up. Like, let me get back on my grind. Let me get back on my game. And a lot of people don't necessarily put that in their life, so they want the things they say they want, but they're not necessarily creating the environment that's conducive to growing it. Yeah. So keeping that in mind, and guys, like, be creative. We live in the age of technology and information. If you can't physically get up and move and go to Silicon Valley and live with like the tech geniuses. You don't have to. to, You don't need to. You have books. You have the internet. You have podcasts. If you're listening to this right now, you're already on the right track. Yeah. But do more of that. Feed your brain. I'm going to take a direct page out of Gary Vaynerchuk's video. Like a literal video. I'm quoting it right here. Is that if you need 200 extra dollars a month in your pocket or more, two to five, go out, start garage sailing, pick up some cool stuff that you know, like re- while you're at, before you buy the item, go onto Amazon and see how much the item is selling for and just start flipping stuff. Yeah. Just go flip shit. 
and you can make, like, if you just grind, and it's fun, you can go out and make an adventure with your friends. All right, we're going to take Saturdays off, go pick up a bunch of stuff, create an online store, and just start selling shit. And people have made some crazy money that way, and it's really quick, easy way is just start flipping things. Um, flipping houses is a huge market. That's just basically a bigger scaled version right. of that. Or if you're a car head and you really like cars, start flipping cars. It's legal, at least in Oregon. You're allowed to, without buying a license, like becoming a car salesman, you're allowed to flip 10 cars a year. So if you're a really good mechanic, I had a friend of mine who did this and he would flip like $6,000 cars for $12,000 and or more he would take fixer uppers that he bought for like a grand and sell them for eight so there's you, like when in desperation get creative right and that is something like anyone that's ever listened to me has heard me say like you don't deserve to say i want this if you're not willing to put in the work if you're not willing to make the sacrifice go out and grind and make it happen because you'll say i want this i want this i want this but then if you're not mm-hmm. taking action and doing anything to get yourself closer to that don't be jealous of the people that have it because you don't know what they sacrificed to have it you don't know how many hours they put in of studying how many parties they didn't go to how many times that they were looking at what they wanted to buy and just walked away yeah i actually don't i mean maybe i do i haven't really paid attention too much recently but i try not to say the word want actually that much because your words are very powerful, um, kind of going back into the more the secret stuff or energetics or um, words do have power to some degree. Um, at the same time, on that note, don't mistake what I'm saying for like cursing or like I think <laughs> you need to be able to diversify what I'm talking about here. But in regards to the word want, that means to lack. So every time you say I want this, you're basically saying I lack this. So, like, for me, I'll be like, oh, I want that, but I'm not using the energy of the word want, because that means, like, I don't want it, like, I don't have it, I lack it. Right. So, like, desire is a much I, better word. I knew you were about to say desire. Like, as you start saying that, I was like, he's going to use desire. Like, it's, <laughs> and I'm big with that as well, trying to, when I can, as often as I can, consciously think about the words I am using, because they are meaningful, because mm-hmm. each word is different for a reason. When people say, but at the end of a sentence, it's like, well, why did you say anything before Before the but? Because you negated everything you said. If you want to include an interjection, however. Or although. Exactly. So that's big. I have two more questions for you, and then we'll start to wrap this up. I'm very curious about this one for you. If you can spend... A day with anybody in history dead or alive at any age in their life who would that person be what age would they be and why I've never even bothered to think about this <laughs> so like I'm probably not, oh wait nope take that back okay I do know who I'd want to meet um, I would want to meet Nikola Tesla before he died anytime but probably near the end of his life because there was so much that was stolen from him that we will never know because of the government (laughs) and how there's still his works and papers that are redacted and we're not allowed to read which is fucked um because essentially like his whole mentality was about 
creating free energy for everybody. Now, there were some things where he wanted to do it in ways that may not have been the right ways. And, like, he wanted to create, like, energy through the air, which would have, like, exploded. <laughs> but um, he was definitely someone that, like, he has one of my favorite quotes, which is, uh, if you seek to understand the universe, look at it in terms of frequency and energy. And I think as we're learning more about quantum physics and as we're learning more about epigenetics and how energy and frequency actually relates into the human species and into the human experience that he actually knew way 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 more than like what people were privy to at the time and that he like if the scientific community had gone more in that direction from an earlier stage like now we're really getting into it more and like we're starting to study like eastern philosophy of medicine and i'm a big proponent of that um and that i i don't like that in America, we only look at things from the Western perspective of your physical body because there's a lot that's kind of wrong about, maybe not right or wrong, but it's not the whole picture. And uh, like we didn't even bother to look at the fascia, which is the most key integral part of your body because it connects, it's literally the connecting tissue of your entire system, nerves to, to muscles to everything. Like it's probably the most important part of your body and we literally just threw it out of cadavers for like so long and we're just now getting to the point where we're studying it and so essentially I would love to talk to him just so I could pick his brain about what he knew about frequency and energy that's a great answer you're the first person that answered with Tesla dude so that is cool I like that answer I would love to meet him as well so I might be... We're like Morgan happens. Freeman just so he can like lullaby me to sleep. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> That'll just be like a fun evening, man. <laughs> All right. And the final question I have for you, which I like to ask everybody. And honestly, you tapped on it a bit throughout the conversation. However, maybe there is something else. So I'm going to readdress it. In life, I feel we're always finding ourselves climbing some sort of mountain, whether it be the mountain of I'm getting to the Olympics or I'm getting the promotion. What would be the mountain that you find yourself currently climbing? What is that mountain? What's the peak of that mountain look like? Are you saying like what my goals are essentially or like what my ambitions are going towards? It could be that. And some people, they, you know, dive even more personal and they kind of explain where they're going as a human, as a person. Um, so it's really up to your interpretation of whether it be your goals or just you as a person, what is the mountain you find yourself on? What's your internal struggle? Hmm. Uh, I feel pretty at peace with my internal self and definitely am in alignment with myself and where I'm going. So I have no struggle in, in that. Like I, I definitely am very in alignment with my inner self and what I'd like to create, which is why it's so easy for me to like continue along this path and why it feels so light when I think about my future, like literally light, like my whole body feels lighter and like excited when I think about my future, which is really fun. I know a lot of people may or may not experience that. Um, but as far as like a mountain that I'm climbing to me, the word mountain kind of seems like a struggle. And like, I wouldn't say I'm going through like struggles right now as far as climbing. There's challenges that I like to overcome. But uh, as far as like goals, definitely like we were talking about earlier, 
business objectives are to get to that financial independence point. Once I'm there, I'm going to probably throw a fat party and just be like, I did it. Yay. And then after that, get back to work and get back into creating. Like once you achieve your, I don't like my dad started getting me on this because he doesn't, he told me, he's like, I don't like using the word goals. I'm like, why? And he goes, well, because goal implies that you finished. And he started using the word target. He goes, instead of using goals, I want to say that's my next target. Because when you hit your target, what's the next target? So I would say my, my business targets are like financial independence, success, things like that, networking. But like, I try not to have like a set conclusion to the story, let's say, like a, I will be satisfied when thing. It just is open and I'm flowing with all different possibilities. So like if something comes my way, like for the CBD, for example, like I had no idea that jerky was going to turn into CBD. Was I open to the possibilities? Absolutely. So like I never liked in high school when people told, like asked me the question, like, what's your tenure? I'm like, I don't know where I'm going to be in 10 years. I could be doing, I could be a welder. I'm totally open to any possibility that comes my way. So I think having aspirations and goals and targets is good but also staying open to the possibilities of everything that comes your way i like that big time um i agree with it a lot you know it's okay to set the destination but not be upset if you don't ever get there or if you end up somewhere else right you know it's like having the itinerary when i like to use the analogy of going on vacation and you make a list of all the things you would like to do but then at the same, or however, being at the same time, although you're there and you want to do all of these things, you're also okay with, hey, maybe I get there and I just feel like sitting on the beach for the entire time. I don't want to go horseback riding. I don't want to do the excursion because you're open to how you're feeling in those moments and you're consistently making the best decisions you can in the moment and not sticking to an arbitrary future that you may or may not want anymore. So, Tyler, that has been a really fun interview. By far one of my favorites. Definitely, you have a very interesting mind, and I know we can go even deeper, and we could talk for hours. Oh, hours for sure. Yeah, like anybody that sat and listened to this whole... I think there are a lot of people, actually, that sat and listened to this whole thing because it just... At least for myself, it kept building. As you were speaking, I was slowly getting sucked in more and more and enjoying the conversation where it was going. Yeah, and for those who are listening and want to reach out, feel free to like shoot me in a message on Instagram or like if you just want to share the love or if you have like questions on how to get started or, or if you just want to have some tasty jerky. Um, the website, again, is going to be flipping good jerky, but if you're listening to this in the short term, it may not be up. You can check out Bridgetown, Bridgetown Jerky if it's still there. Um, the CBD company I'm working with is called Bodyworks CBD, so feel free. We're going to have like definitely the lowest prices on the market, uh, and we're going to be innovating new products, things like that. And then, uh, again, if you want to maybe have some business ideas or, again, the, again another goal is going to be angel investing. So like once I have set up myself, then the goal is to be able to fund other people's amazing ideas. 
So where can people find you that want to get in touch with you personally? Where can they find you on social media? Um, social media, my Instagram is TylerPeterBoss7, last name P-U-T as in Tom, E-R-B as in boy, A-U-G-H. But if you just type in my name and P-U-T, it usually comes up. Um, Facebook, I'm a little less uh, on, but you can still maybe reach out with a message and I might check there. My email is also on my Instagram, so if you just click email and email me, uh, that could also work. But I'm most active on the gram right now. So... Sweet. And so guys, if you got any value at all listening to this, do me a favor. Like it's not even a favor. Just I need you to do this. I need you to screenshot what you're listening to right now. And I need you to share it with a friend. If you're getting value from this, odds are your friend is also going to get value from this. Odds are you two are very similar and you guys might be working towards similar goals. So take the time to spread the knowledge, spread the value. We are not charging you anything to listen to this. So really at the end of the day, we're looking to teach and help you achieve your goals that much more quickly. So really, Tyler took the time to share this wisdom with us. I'm super appreciative of it. And if you guys want to show him any appreciation, you can visit his website, see what he has going on over there. Tag him on social media while you're listening to this. Let him know. It means a lot to people when they know that you got value, especially someone like Tyler who is in it for the impact. You know, a lot of the times he's going to do things and you may be inspired by it and he'll have no idea. If you let him know, that will inspire him to keep going forward when you let us know like when people reach out and email me that inspires me big time to keep going and keep grinding away to make content like this for you guys with that being said tyler seriously man thank you so much i love you too bro that was fun okay so i really Really, really hope you enjoyed that one. That was one of my favorite interviews, you know, besides the one interview that got lost that you guys are never going to hear between me and Daryl Stingley. We're just going to have to redo that one. But besides that interview, this interview was one of my favorites because we really got to dive in deep and start talking about business. And that's really where my mind is at. That's what I love learning about now. That's my new frontier. And I think the parkour community should really be looking into figuring out how we can grow responsibly so that we can have more impact and influence in the future. Anyway, guys, like I said in the beginning, I was going to check back at the end to make sure that if you liked what you heard here today, that you are taking the time to share this and that when you share it, you are tagging witness this underscore brand and you are tagging Tyler Putabar and we are continuing this conversation in the DMs or email one of us or let's just get the conversation and the ball rolling. Now, before this interview started, Tyler and I were actually talking about the fact that I really wasn't quite sure what I was going to name this podcast and I know it's like 11 episodes in. However, we came up with a cool idea and to call it into the mind 
obviously because here I am interviewing people and I like to get deep. I like to really figure out what's going on in their mind and figure out what their intentions are. So, you know, maybe that's something we could name it next season. I don't know. You guys let me know. How do you like it being called the witness to this podcast? Or if we did a name switch into the mind, DM me, let me know what you think. And yeah, if we get enough cool responses from that, if it gets enough buzz, maybe we do a name change. All right. Later, guys.